Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. Obviously, it was, for me, being 29 years old, it was the worst day of my life, and I hit probably my lowest of lows that I could have ever imagined in my life, and I was angry and just thought my whole future was gone. Here I went from being a young wife and, and happily married into having everything taken away, not having kids yet. I'd always wanted to be a mom, and so I just didn't know where I would go from there. And so in the book, I talk about how the anger just kind of took me over in that first year, and not that I made any decisions or choices that I'm embarrassed of, but I just knew that I wasn't handling it well. I just kept pushing everything down, trying to make everyone think I was okay, to try to make myself think I was okay. And uh, so the first year and two were, um, were quite a challenge for me. I just it wasn't until I just had a big explosive um, blow up one day in front of my parents and my now husband, we were just friends at the time, that I just kind of looked at myself and said, you need help and you need to go seek counseling. And I did and I, I had kind of pushed that aside because I thought that counseling was just when you couldn't accept something. And I was like, I know he's gone. I know he's not coming back. What are they going to do for me that I don't already know? And I couldn't have been, you know, more wrong about what counseling was. It, it really helped me work through my emotions and my feelings and knowing, you know, that the anger was okay and all that was okay. And so through um, the help of my, you know, now husband, like I said, he was a friend back then, and the church and counseling, I was able to just start living again and finding happiness and being okay with being happy. You know, I felt like if I was happy that I wasn't still mourning Jacques, even though I was. And um, it's just was all about learning how to deal with my grief, but still learning to live. Because um, I just honestly believe that the true way to honor your loved one's loss, especially Jacques being a, a hero for our country and dying the way he did, I didn't want to be an embarrassment to his name. And so I have learned that living my life to the fullest and giving back to different organizations and continuing to be who I am was the best way to honor him and the relationship that we once had. Yeah. Well, well, we are all, all hopefully honored that. Uh, was the baby helpful and helped and eventually, uh, I, I know maybe wives usually are very supportive of each other. But um, what was your experience with the, the Navy wives, et cetera, with your fellow SEAL wives? Um, well, so the Operation Red Wings, that mission, losing 19 total, um, 11 SEALs, was the biggest loss at one time that the SEALs have had since the Vietnam War. So at that time, there wasn't a lot of support for us. There was maybe three other um, seal widows and so we were a very small group and we were just kind of trying to figure it out on our own. The, seal, the command 
tried to be as helpful as they could, but they really didn't have a lot in um, to offer us at the time. And so it, we really kind of just did it on our own. Thankfully, since then, they have developed quite a few different programs to help the, the surviving families and the active duty families, which I think is important too. But they have gone as far as holding um, – two retreats a year for us widows to be able to get together, which is especially helpful for someone like me who no longer lives in and around the SEAL communities. And so even though I have friends here in Jacksonville and a great life, it's still nice to be able to go and connect with people who completely understand the journey that I've had and what has happened to me. And then I still have my close girlfriends that I had back then which is amazing because I wasn't probably the easiest of people to continue to be friends with afterwards. I um, I think that's something else I talk about in the book, just how I, I just didn't know how to be. One day I could be angry at them for talking to me about their husbands, and the next day I was angry about at them for not being truthful and just treating me like they used to. And so there's just so much that you have to learn and navigate as you go through that. But, yes, yeah, thankfully, I personally had a great support group around me and still do to this day. You know, we often say uh, survivors are angry because uh, uh, our loved ones were got on before us. Uh, did you feel that way or did you feel that uh, um, uh, abandoned? So in the beginning, I didn't think I was angry at Jacques. I thought I was just angry at everything that I lost and the pain. And then when I was in counseling, I remember the counselor saying, have you written your letter to Jacques expressing to him how angry you are at him? And I was like, I'm not angry at him. How could I be angry at him? He loved me. He loved his country. He loved the job that he was doing. He died a hero. And um, as we talked about it, I realized, that I was angry at him because as much as he always put me first, being in the military or a first responder or anything of that nature, you, when you are doing your job, your job is first. I mean, you do not have control over when you're leaving and how you do that job. And so I did realize that there was a part of me that said, oh, why did you make this choice to do this job? Because it then took you away from me. And so once I was able to acknowledge that and work through that, um, now there's just nothing but pride. I mean, there's still questions of why it happened to me, but um, being a Christian, I know that I there's no answer to that. And even if I had the answer, I probably still wouldn't understand that completely. And so it's just something that I choose to just accept because it is what it is. And I can't, if I dwell on it and let this, this horrible thing define me, I don't believe that I would be the healthy, happy person I am today. Well, we're all glad to hear that. But if you have to give a survivor one piece of advice, what would it be? I'm sorry, can you repeat that? If you have to give a survivor a piece of advice, what single piece of advice would you give? Okay. Um, I would say that the biggest piece of advice is to seek counseling sooner than later. Even if you don't think you need it, there will come a time that you do, and not because you're, you know, I, I think that everyone's going to make bad choices, but I feel it's important to 
be able to express and work through your your feelings and your mood changes and just to be heard and maybe even get some coping skills on when this happens, try and do this versus just trying to handle it on your own because I I did that and like I said I didn't do anything drastic I didn't do anything I'm embarrassed of but I definitely the anger just kind of started seeping in because I didn't know how to direct different feelings and how to be honest with others and, and realize that it wasn't my job to make other people you know, not feel awkward around me. I don't know if IQ is with us. I, uh, he, uh, he was there and then he dropped out. Uh, we have got Char Westfall with us today. She is, she is the author of Beautiful Tragedy, a Navy SEAL widow's permission to grieve and a prescription for hope. So, um, so, Char, um, this book is incredibly well written. You put a lot of time and energy into this. What's been some feedback you've gotten on this book? Well, we're still waiting for the actual release date, but those who have read it have said, I just love seeing this perspective. We see a lot of just the missions. Here we hear a lot from the SEALs, and we have yet to hear from the other side and just getting to know the men and the relationships and then that walk that a military wife has to go through, you know, if they lose their spouse. And so that was, besides it being therapy for me, I've heard that it's been helpful to other people as well just to kind of see an outsider's look into our journey and, you know, the ups and downs that we go through during, the, you know, losing somebody. We have got uh, Char Westfall with us today, a beautiful tragedy. Um, Dawn, she's, she's got a... How did you come up with a yeah. title, which is a great title, by the way? Thank you very much. I threw a couple different ideas around, and this one was the one that um, stuck because it was a tragedy, and normally when you think of tragedy, you wouldn't think of it as being beautiful. But the way that I have been able to come through it and acknowledge the, the struggles that I had and to now have found somebody who accepts me, accepts my past, honors my, my first husband, and, um, and I've been able to, you know, to remarry and have a family. That is the beauty in what I've gone through. And so that's where we came up with a beautiful tragedy. Well, some people will argue that the uh if you remarried, you're almost betraying your first uh, uh, husband. I don't, I don't hold that. But, but what do you say to that? I'd say that they haven't walked in my shoes. I was judged a lot, a lot of us, I should say, almost every widow or widower. I mean, people have an opinion on if you start dating again, how soon you date, if you remarry. And I don't believe as humans we are supposed to go through life alone if that is, especially if it's not your personality type. And like I said, I always wanted to be married, always wanted to be a wife, wanted to be a mom. And when I lost Jacques, it was just, I thought, I just wanted to go as well. And so 
for someone, I was judged, and someone said, well, she should stay single for 10 years because she was with him for 10 years. And I was like, well, I'm 29. That puts me at 39 to start even looking to date. What does that do for me having children? And people who not necessarily walked in my shoes. And so I find it important to be able to still honor Jacques. I remember him. He's not just put on a shelf somewhere. He's talked about. I'm still extremely close with his side of the family. And so he's not forgotten in my heart. I've just, I haven't moved on. I've moved forward is what I like to say. That's a great one. Don't you agree, Oh, yeah. You have, you have got a, uh, a great story here, a great book. Um, what, what, what's been, I, I guess, what was the hardest part of writing the book? That, the hardest part was I had a friend who kind of helped me in the beginning. There were some people that I wanted to hear their side of how they experienced and watched me go through this. And I told her, I was like, I, I can't talk to them. I, I know enough already that I don't want to hear it from them. So going back through and then having to edit all of this time and time again and to constantly read the different things that they were saying and their feelings can still choke me up today because it's just thinking of um, my brother's reaction and my sister's reaction and my parents and all of that and so that was probably the hardest having to relive things that I didn't ever want to I mean I think about them but those are ones that I try not to think about daily so that that definitely was the hardest part having to read them over and over again to make sure the edits were staying how I wanted it to be uh, did anybody disappoint you in, in their support for you Unfortunately, yes. I mean, just I had one really close friend that when I started dating my now husband, they just she just couldn't accept him for whatever reason, and that has that hurt me. But I I I can't fault her. That's just how she dealt with it, and so I don't know if it's much so much as disappointment as just hurt to lose that friendship, but. I've just accepted that that's part of life not you know there's people who are in your life for a reason or for a season and they you know you have friends some friends that stay forever and some friends that come and go so I've just had to let that go unfortunately which is not my personality I don't I don't like to lose friends I cherish all my friendships and my family and so that was hard but I it wasn't healthy for me or my current marriage to to uh keep chasing after that friendship. How old are your children now? So my youngest just turned six yesterday. So I have a boy, girl, boy. My oldest is 11, starting sixth grade. I have an eight-year-old daughter going into third, and then my six-year-old will start first grade in a couple weeks as soon as school starts. Do you ever talk to them about your first husband? My two oldest ones, no. My oldest... Uh, has been to every uh, December for the last, I would say, seven, seven to eight years. I go up for the laying of the wreaths in Arlington uh, around Christmas time. And so for the past, I believe it's been four years, my oldest has gone. And so he has known 
and then we did tell my daughter about it last year. At that point, she was seven and thought that was the time to explain to her, you know, that I'd been married before. It's kind of tricky trying to, you know, navigate at what point they can understand because um, even when we first told my oldest, I remember him saying, okay, so then Mr. Jacques was my dad. And we're like, no. <laughs> he passed away long before I, you know, I even was thought about, you know, or I wanted to have you, but I didn't have him with you. So, no, your dad is your dad. And so they they ask questions, and my two, like I said, my two oldest know, and my our youngest, when we feel the time is right for him, he will know as well. But they see Jacques' side of the family at least once a year and um, call them aunt and uncle and refer to their cousins, you know, my, my nieces and nephews as their cousins. So I just love that because not many surviving families are able to continue to have a relationship, and I just am so grateful that we have been able to. So uh, you, you have the feedback, you have, have the book out now. Well, what's your next? Uh, what's your next step? Do you do you want to go out <laughs> and, and uh, um, talk more about it? Or, what, what do you hope to accomplish beyond writing the book? Beyond writing the book, I am open to speaking engagements if they come. If not, I mean, so be it. I'm just pretty much leaving it in God's hands. I Writing the book was therapy for me, and my hope was that it would help others, even if it was one person, to either find their way through their grief journey or to shed light on um, someone's how someone's family member or friend is experiencing their grief, you know, to just give advice. And so I'm just kind of letting letting it all play out, and um, I'm not opposed to speaking and talking about it and sharing my story for as long as people want to hear about it. You know, it's interesting. Uh, we, we all know our grief in different ways, and uh, but it seems that you've, you've done a very great job, not only of handling it, but of helping others. Um, how do you feel about it? How does my husband feel about it? How, how do you feel about sharing it? Has it really has it uh, helped you more? Okay. Um, yes, I mean... There's times where it's hard, but I feel like each time it helps me just a little more. I don't feel like I'm ever going to get over his loss, but I think the more I can share and know that, you know, my story might help somebody else feel a little bit more normal as they're going through their grief, then it's worth sharing and it's worth experiencing that you know, moment of sadness or that hard time, um, yeah. if it helps them. Well, you brought up the point. How does your husband feel about all this? Has he been supportive in what you've been trying to do? Absolutely. He was actually my biggest um, encourager in writing it. A friend of mine had said, you should write a book. You are you're a success story. You have pulled yourself up from the lowest low and continue to live and shine and talk to people about and share your story and so why don't you just 
actually put it down on paper and he was like, you definitely should. You live to help others. And so if you can help others by writing about it and reaching more people than you should, he's, so he's extremely supportive of that. He's extremely supportive of honoring Jacques in every way he can. Um, he has embraced Jacques' family as they have embraced him. And so I couldn't ask for, you know, a better, a better sense of support and a husband. You know, he's not threatened by Jacques. Instead, he just, you know, embraces what it was and um, him being a hero in that sense. Give the name of your book again and how people can get it. I'm, I'm taking Jiggy's line, but I, I know I want to read it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it can be pre-ordered right now on Amazon, or if people want a signed or um, personalized copy, you can go to ballastbooks.com, and uh, we'll be able to get them out that way as well. Fantastic. We have got Shar Westfall with us today, a beautiful tragedy. She joins us today here on our broadcast. Also, Don Mazzella is with us, our co-host each and every week. And uh, so, so Shar, um, has, has anybody that's uh, been involved in the military or military wives or anybody like that, have they, have they reached out to you about the book or, or talked to you about the book at all? They have. I've done a couple podcasts. Um, when the book was getting ready to be um, released and went up for pre-order, and I have had quite a few military spouses reach out to me and, and ask me questions about how did you deal with the constant traveling and how did you support him. And, and so I've been contacted and spoken with one group that is a, a just military wives their podcast have been asked to come out and speak to their group once um, they get back to meetings. And so I I love it because that's, that was my point in sharing it is that if people had questions or you know, wanted to talk to me about it, I was there. And so I've been excited to see just complete strangers reaching out to me. That's awesome. That's fantastic. I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you're getting a uh... – uh, the the I guess the community to uh, to to reach out to you on on this. Uh, are you planning on writing a, a follow up or, or doing anything more with this? That is to be determined. I when I was sending it off the day that it was headed off to the printers, I talked to my editor and I said, "Oh, I really wish I would have added this and this." And he said. Okay, so are we pulling it back or are we going? You know, it's up to you. And I was like, oh, no, just send it. He goes, well, you know, maybe that book too. I said, you know, so I don't know. We'll see how it goes with this one and and where we go from here. I haven't quite made that decision yet. Who are you publishing? Uh, Ballast Books. Hmm. They're so- out of Washington, D.C. He is an author and then decided to start his own um, publishing company. Hmm. Wow. So, uh, so, so this, so this. How did you? Yes. How go did ahead, you find him? He contacted the Latrell. So Marcus Latrell is the lone survivor from the mission that my husband was killed on, and I don't know how he knew about Melanie or had met them before. And she said, "My friend Char." who is a surviving spouse, 
had written a book and was talking about sharing it and, you know, maybe you would be interested in, in talking with her and seeing if this is a project that the two of you would like to to do. And he said, absolutely. And so she introduced us and we just went with it from there. <laughs> no, it's very unusual to, to be able to get go, go a publisher like that. Yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. sure your book's going to be successful. There's no question. Thank you. Yes, I was. I had tried to go a different route before when I first wrote it, and um, it even went as far as to an editorial review board at one point. And but this was back you know, seven, no, not seven, like four years ago, and they just wanted more about the seals and their missions. And I said I respect that, and I understand that that is what most people want to read. But I am not Jacques. I was not a SEAL, and that was his job. And as much as I respected him and admired him for it, I never pretended that that was me. So I said, I'm not going to include his missions. I don't even know a lot about him. It's just my side of the story. And so um, I just kept it that way. And so, yeah, back then it was, I just kind of put it on a shelf and figured it was done, and then I get approached by Andy with Ballast Books, and I just was like, okay, I guess this is it. This is the timeline. We're going to do this. <laughs> <laughs> We've got Char Westfall with us today, a beautiful tragedy. She is a fantastic, fantastic author. She joins us today here in a broadcast. And uh, so, Char, talk to me about the cover of this book. It's uh, it's very interesting. Tell me about it. Well, I wanted a picture of Jacques. I wanted people to see his face. I wanted people to put a face to his name. But I'm also extremely patriotic, as was he. And so I just loved the subtleness of his picture. It's one of my favorite pictures of him on his last, this last deployment that he was on. I love the subtleness of the flag, and so we did a lot of back and forth with um, the designer, and that's just the one we came up with. I thought it was the most fitting for what I was envisioning um, the cover to look like. What does it look like? If you have, I the cover. It, it is a uh, it, it it it's a very interesting cover. Kind of des- describe it for the radio audience here, Char, since you're the author. So there's this picture of him on deployment. Somebody was up above him, I guess, up on a building or maybe a truck. I'm not really sure. And they called his name, and it's just one of his perfect looks. As far as like, what do you want? Like, <laughs> what is going on now? And he's just kind of looking over his shoulder, looking up at them, and just in full gear. But you can see his eyes. There's so many of his pictures over there that he's got a baseball cap on and sunglasses. So I love that you can just see his eyes and see his face. Um, and then it's just the blue with a very subtle American flag um, across it as well. The sand from being in Afghanistan. I just wanted to incorporate everything about him and his job, but also just let you see a little bit of you know, really who he was and not just the um, the seal that he was, but I think you can see that in his face. So that's pretty much what it is. 
Well, you definitely have a uh, have have a great book here. Um, you mentioned that you're uh, that you're very patriotic. What, what, what do you think of some of the um, different things going on uh, in the world around us? It makes me sad. I think that as much as I don't want to say it, I believe that our country is based on freedom, and so if they have a different view than me, they're welcome to it. I personally will never kneel for the flag. The flag was draped over my husband's coffin, folded up and handed to me, and as it was handed to me, they told me that this flag represents the country that your husband died protecting. And so for that reason alone, I personally would never kneel during the national anthem or for the flag. Um, I hope and pray that this country can come together with some sort of unity. I don't necessarily believe that everybody has to feel one way or the other. And if you if you don't feel a certain way, then that makes you less of a person or less compassionate towards others. Um, so I'm just... I personally don't believe that kneeling for the flag is, is the right thing to do. We have got Char Westfall with us today, a beautiful tragedy. Um, so this so this book, uh you what was what was the writing process like? What 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 what's some of the research that you did for the book and you know, just, just putting this whole thing together? So a friend of mine uh, worked on it with me. She interviewed my parents, my siblings, and then um, one of my close friends' husbands who was with me a lot during the beginning uh, when we were notified and um, going forward with that. Just as, um, he had to be by my side for a lot of it, and so she did that. Then a lot of it was just my personal story, and it was how we met, um, our journey, and then just me. So it was pretty much the two of us just putting our thoughts and the stories down on paper and, you know, working on it to, to make it one big story. And then from there, um, I've worked with the editors um, over at Ballast to just kind of get it to where it needed to be for publishing. That's fantastic. So, uh, so did you have much of, uh, I guess, when, when when you put this together as far as uh, editing, did, did, did you have anybody, you know, over you saying you can't include this, you can't include that, things like that, or was that not? at all part of it because we've we've talked to authors before where they're like well i really wanted to put this in but my editor was like nope <laughs> <laughs> no, thankfully um ballast books they are um, a type of a hybrid publishing company so they really go with what you want to do with your book and so i was very blessed and thankful in that regard they would make suggestions I did have um, the copywriter, copywriter come back and say, you know, you really should think about including more information about the mission. And I talked with my my personal editor, and I said, you know, this listen, I just don't feel comfortable with that. The seals are very private. I have a lot of friends that are still active. And like I said before, I wasn't 
I'm not a SEAL, I wasn't a SEAL, and so I'm not going to pretend that I knew about his missions and his his day-to-day life, um, the work. And so I really want to just stick true, stay true to what I know and it being my story, and he fully supported me on that. And so I was thankful for that. There was no real push on add more, add more, add more of this, you know, of the mission and the work side for the SEALs. You know, Jimmy, uh, I have to tell you, you sound like one of the most level-headed people we've had on this program in a while. (laughs) Don't you agree? Yes, yes. Thank you. You, uh, you know, we've, 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 we've had so over the last, um, I don't know, last couple weeks, we, we, we've had some interesting folks come through here. We had, um, no, what I I mean by that, the way that you came about deciding on the book as an author, I have to tell you, you you make a lot of sense, particularly with your idea that you're not talking about the mission, you're talking about life after that mission and the effect of that mission. And I think sticking to it was a very smart move on your part. Thank you. I appreciate that. I was very, you know, stood my ground on that, and I was thankful that they um, respected that decision that I had made. Well, I think in the long run, you're going to have a, a, a book that's going to last a lot longer. Um, I'm going to ask you a question, but, you know, the deployment of particular SEALs and other, uh, you know, they're there and you're here. How, how do the deployments affect you? Um, you know, you in effect don't know what's going on. Uh, and that's sometimes harder than the and being there and knowing what's going on. But how did it affect you? So I do better the more information I have. (laughs) So it wasn't always easy for me. And so I just had to rely on him to tell me what he could and, and trust him in the sense that if he wasn't telling me everything, it wasn't because he was keeping something from me. It was because he was honoring his job and what they had asked him to do. And so as hard as that was for me not to know every little thing, um, I knew that it was best for us in our marriage if I could just trust him to tell me what he could and trust him that, you know, what he didn't tell me was, not because he was trying to be secretive or to not be a good husband or not be honest with me, but it's just because that is what was required of him, you know, in his job. Yeah, um, if I heard you correctly, you got married at 19. How long did you know him beforehand? Uh, yeah, so I met him when I was 20, um, and then we got married, let me see, I was 24. Yeah, nine, yeah, I guess I was 19 or 20, got married at 24, and then I um, lost him when I was 29. And he was about seven and a half, eight years older than me. And so my dad was Navy, and so in the beginning he was like, oh, I'm not really comfortable. You know, he's not, not really, he wasn't comfortable, and neither one of my parents were just being young and still being in college. Um, but thankfully we were able to get through that and over that. And, uh, you know, it served to be a great great relationship and great choice in, in marriage and you know, up until 
you know, we lost him, unfortunately. What happened to you? I was home for the summer. So my dad was retired Navy, and so um, obviously we still had access to the Naval base. He had served 20 years. And so when I would come home from college over the summer, I was a lifeguard at the Navy base on top of being a swim coach out in town. And so he was a rescue swimmer instructor at the time. He was not a SEAL when I met him. So we crossed paths. You know, he would lifeguard um, every once in a while to just kill time. He lived about 40 minutes away from where he worked. And so just to help let the traffic go, he would stay behind sometimes in lifeguard. And so we just our paths crossed that way. And he just happened to to stay behind for the trip. Yes. <laughs> yes. Boy, yes. Boy, I could sell a Brooklyn, a bridge to Brooklyn to you. <laughs> <laughs> we have... Yeah, I talk about how I tried to make sure I got his attention in the book. <laughs> That's awesome. So, uh, so, so you you put a lot of time and effort into the book. You, you've gotten a lot of great feedback on this. Um, what are some of your goals for this book? Pardon? What What are some of your goals for the book? Oh, you keep cutting out. I'm so sorry. What are some of your goals? What What are you hoping to accomplish oh, okay. with the book? Okay. Um, my goal, first and foremost, is that it helps. If it helps one other person, I know that everybody's grief journey is different, um, but I do believe that a lot of us share some of the same thoughts and the same, not so much, you know, path, but, you know, we go through a lot of the same things. And so I, I was, I'm hoping that somebody else reads it and say, oh, okay, I'm not the only one that feels this way. I'm not. I'm not crazy for thinking that I just want, you know, this all to go away and I I just want to go away. Um, That it's okay to be sad, it's okay to have these feelings, but that you also need to make a choice to keep living. It's not okay to dwell on them and let them consume you and define you. And so that is one of my goals. The other goal is that it helps friends and family members to better support their friend or family member who is going through grief. Um, Like I said, for me, I just was so wanted everybody to feel comfortable and everybody to think that I was okay. And I felt like I was a burden if I would call and cry to them after, you know, like, okay, it's been two months, you know, I can't keep calling my friend and crying. She has a life. She's pregnant. She has a husband. Like, how is this affecting her? And so my hope is that it shows that to just be more honest with each other and that the more honest you are, the better you you, know, you can be a support to that person as well. And so those were my my main two goals as far and, and as well as, like, sharing my struggle with faith, I know not everybody is a Christian, not everybody has faith, um, but I also think that those who do and, and who experience grief can kind of see the struggle I went through and to know that it's okay 
to have the anger towards God and to have the questions and that you can still come back from that. So those are, I would say, my three biggest goals in writing and sharing my story. I think you succeeded. Pardon? I think you succeeded. If, if your book is anything like you, it should, uh, um, you should, uh, you succeeded. You certainly look at it. <laughs> Uh, uh, talk as if you, um, uh, of your, and I think the book is, uh, probably reflects your voice. So, uh, I, I for one am really looking forward to reading it. Grief is a very difficult thing. It's, uh, what do we say? One of the most difficult things to deal with in life? Grief from a loss of a loved one? Uh, you know, and, and what you're saying, everything you said is, so far, um, I couldn't, no one could argue with. Well, thank you, and that's my point. I mean, I saw my, both my, my grandmother's, um, <clears throat> my nana was a widow from before I was even born, and she never remarried, and I just watched her go through life, and she lived another 60 years alone, and um, not, she wasn't unhappy, but you know, that was the choice she made, and see my grandma widowed um, when I was younger, and to always remember my grandpa, but to, you know, find love and, and companionship other other places. And so I think um, it's just an, important to embrace it regardless of, you know, what, what choice you make in moving forward, you know, if you do experience a loss like this, especially for people who are younger. I think it's a lot of stereotypes and a lot of judgment on you know, what you should do, and I just don't think that that's fair to uh, to put those on to somebody who is who has lost, you know, a spouse or a child or anything like that. Well, let me turn it around for a moment. Um, my mother had a wonderful expression when uh, she used to say he, he was crying with one eye while he was looking around for his next wife with the other eye. <laughs> um, but sometimes you see if people... Uh, starting the date two or three months afterwards and uh, marrying her. Um, do you think that she would have made a, a good marriage if you had done it quickly? I think it depends on the person. I think it depends on how, um, if they're, if they're getting any sort of counseling. Um, I think that it's, hard to to judge anybody and um, not knowing exactly their path of what they've walked through and experienced. I've I've seen people start dating sooner than others and they've worked and I've seen people who have waited long periods of time and still are, you know, struggling trying to find um, somebody new. So I think it all depends on on the person and but most of all, I think you just need to be healthy before you can start looking for that relationship. I don't think you can actually have something that will last and be healthy if you yourself haven't sought help or aren't getting help at the time. Great. Yeah. Great. Well, uh, you're, you're... What about you, Jimmy? Well, I'll tell you this. This book is uh, is, is pretty fantastic. Our guest is pretty fantastic. Uh, well, you don't send it to me. <laughs> you know, you, know, you, know, uh, you should have done it to me beforehand. I think I would have really enjoyed it. 
Well, uh, Char, what, well, what do you make of uh, the the uphill struggle that uh, the president has with with some of this uh, some of this stuff with with Biden and all these protests and and all this stuff? I I really feel for him. I don't think any of us would want his job right now, um, whether you are for him or against him. Again, I think until you are in his shoes, it is easier um, to be the outsider looking in and, and have your opinions and your criticism of what he's doing. I personally pray for him and um, our leaders every morning and every night because I don't think they have an easy job right now between uh, the COVID-19 and the riots and the protests, I think this country um, just has a lot going on and there's a lot for our uh, leaders and our president to be dealing with right now, for sure. Well, you should run for office. <laughs> <laughs> I say that sometimes and my husband goes, Shara, they would, they would listen to you for 30 seconds and hear, like, how strongly opinionated you are on certain things and you would be shot down the door, out the door. <laughs> You know, you hit a square. I don't think anybody will want the job right now, including uh, 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 Mr. Biden. Uh, but uh, you know, somebody's got to do it, and uh, um, I, I happen to think Mr. Trump is doing a fairly decent job. Um, I think so too. Uh, Oh, well, at least the big three people that agree on it. I'm assuming you, you do too, Jamie. Yes. <laughs> now, uh, now, Char Westfall with us today, a beautiful tragedy. Um, did you have a particular writing style when, when, when you went to go put this book together? We just tried to just keep it in my tone. Um, I wanted it to be as real as it could be, um, which as sometimes I'm reading back and I was like, oh, goodness, do I really sound like that? <laughs> but um, I just wanted it to be real. I wanted it to be who I am and not try to make it more than what it was. And so that was just my goal to just keep it, um, it from my perspective in how I would talk and how I would think. And so... Um, that was the goal, and I hopefully I accomplished that. And um, I'm sure there'll be some people who don't care for it. I know that that's just life. Um, but if it helps at least, you know, a couple people, then it was worth it. And I'll take the the critics with the compliments. Mm. It's fantastic. Well, uh, if 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 people want to find you online or uh, pick up your book, uh, how do they do that, Char? You can find me on Instagram at Char Westfall. Um, it's Char with a C. And then um, I'm also, like, you can find the book on Amazon pre-order or if you want to sign copy, Ballast Books, B-A-L-L-A-S-T, books.com. Um, can get you an autographed copy um, that way. And um, also trying to start this uh, tweeting thing. I don't know a lot about it. I'm a little behind with the tweeting, but I've been told that um, I should 
to get more involved with that. So Shar uh, Westfall is the way to find me on my social media. Fantastic. Well, uh, Dawn, before we wrap up here with you, uh, talk to us about what's going on with you, my friend. Well, I first want to say uh, I just came across the wire. Trump canceled GOP convention events in Jacksonville, Florida. So um, I, I my, uh, uh, my apartment is right up where he's going to talk, but I guess he's not coming. But anyway, <laughs> uh, I, um, I hope I didn't have anything to do with that. The National Robotics Education Foundation, the hyphen nres.org, uh, two SB Digest, um, and hashtag two SB Digest, and my book is coming along. And uh, oh, what can I say? You had a great guest today, Jimmy, uh, and thank you. Yes, yes, Char, uh, you you have been amazing. We appreciate you making as much time as you did for us today and uh good luck with the book and uh Don we will uh we'll talk to you next week. Thank you my friend. Appreciate it. Thanks everybody. Thank you so much. There they go. Uh Char Westfall and of course Don Mazella. Dangerous Don Mazella. I don't know if it's dangerous Don Mazella. Is his name Dangerous Tom Mazzella? I don't know. Who knows? Who knows? The spirit comes alive. I don't know what that means. With the Lucky Land Plus, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your trade table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.